Japan by River Cruise is made possible by your donations at japanbyrivercruise.com and the support of our corporate sponsors. This is a sponsored message from the law offices of Roland and Reynolds. Have you been a victim of discrimination in Japan? Have people denied you service because you're visibly foreign and they thought you might have the virus? Or worse, served you but with an English menu? Have you been refused an apartment just because you have no guarantor, no secure job, and no means of demonstrating you can meet your rent obligations? At Roland and Reynolds, we believe that you are entitled to compensation for your suffering under Japanese law. We want to help you, so we moved our practice to Tokyo from London in February this year and are still working very hard on passing both the Japanese bar and the JLPTN4. But as we stated before, we believe very strongly that Japanese law entitles you to damages. It's inconceivable to us that just as a non-native resident of Japan that you can have basically no legal recourse against blatant discriminatory treatment. And we will confirm that just as soon as we get to level 8 of Duolingo and find a translation of the Japanese civil code that we understand. So, if you feel like you deserve financial recompense for your troubles, contact us today to find out about our very reasonable retainer fees, which will keep us on call until we're legally allowed to represent you. Other firms promise no win, no fee, and we am absolutely promise the first half. At Roland and Reynolds, we tell all foreign residents who are looking for justice the same thing. You are entitled! Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Oli Horn. And joining us this week is stand-up comedian and Twitch streamer Lisa Wallen. She hosts the Kawaii Five O podcast and the show Skeptic's Guide to Anime every Monday on the SideQuest Twitch channel. She also holds the distinction of being the only person ever to have watched every single episode of the 52-season anime all aboard about the world of competitive River Cruise ticket-taking. Lisa, thanks for joining us. It's actually all aboard San, but thank you for having me onto the show. <laughs> Didn't watch it. Uh, on this week's show, there's dissension over whether or not to deal with the COVID-19 school closings by switching the start of the Japanese school year to late summer. Universities opposed to the change say that such an abrupt shift wouldn't give them enough time to evaluate new admission applications and figure out which male students to award the higher scoring female student spots to. Also, the surge in popularity of the legendary creature Amabie has finally made the transition to Western media outlets where, frankly, we're surprised that they're not calling it the Asian Murder Mermaid. Plus, Ali's got your weekly river cruise recommendation. Ali? Yes, this week's recommendation is a river cruise that takes passengers on a circular route around the Sangoku Bori moat of the Himeji Castle in Kansai, which has managed to defy the odds and continue running during the COVID state of emergency due to its qualification as an essential service. They argue since their boats are the only way to get to the boathouse, it's the only means by which their crew can safely get to work. And in the West, AMA Waterways is offering free luxury river cruises to COVID pandemic frontline heroes, such as doctors, nurses, paramedics, and other workers in essential industries. Japanese cruise lines are following suit in their own way by introducing a program wherein parents of preschool children can donate a free cruise to their childcare providers. If you're a childcare professional who's received a cruise from an appreciative parent, they run from 8 a.m. in the morning to 6 p.m. in the evening, and the donation covers the cost of your entry, beverages, and the entry of the preschool children who you will be required to bring with you. 
More on that story later, but first, Soap Talk. It's great to have you on the show. Our listeners can't see this, but we can see a webcam and you look like a streamer. You've got a, a bookcase behind you, which is full of anime, manga, figurines. Uh, you've got a microphone on a boom arm. You're the real deal. Yes, for someone who's only been streaming for two months. <laughs> uh, yeah, but... but my years of comedy have really helped with that, though, I should say. Yeah, I saw uh, some clips from a set you did at Good Heavens in Tokyo last time you were here. How yes. many times have you come through Tokyo? I've been to Tokyo four times now yeah been to japan four times now but my last trip was uh six weeks so i started off all the way in kyushu and then i moved my way towards tokyo so i did a full run i did like 17 cities in like six weeks it was a lot of money wow <laughs> where were you time. in kyushu uh i went to kagoshima i did uh, fukuoka i believe it's called uh nagasaki never heard of it <laughs> never heard of it Ali and, I, Ali and I are based in, in Fukuoka. Oh, Fukuoka. There Fukuoka, you go. Fukuoka, yeah, yeah. I loved it. I went to the Cat Island when I was there. That was really cute. But yeah, I went up. I started down at the bottom, worked my way up. And then from there, I, I moved over towards... Um, God, I should have wrote this all down. It was like a giant <laughs> line I did all over through Japan. But there's a lot of areas I didn't get to see. Taken out of context, I started from the bottom, worked my way up, then took a giant line. That sounds like lyrics to a rap song. <laughs> How are you doing in, in Washington, where you are? Uh, well, we're the epicenter of the virus. So <laughs> it's like... Wait, it wasn't China? Well, outside of China, we were like the ones that have the most cases. It came straight to Seattle. So um, yeah. I went to the grocery store today. And of course, I got to wear my mask. I felt like I was in Japan just wearing my medical mask everywhere. But like everyone's yeah. so awkward around you. Like they don't want to be anywhere near you. Like people will give you the stink eye if you're in their aisle. I'm like, I have to eat. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's so funny. They have because everyone in America is just so like they don't they don't invade your personal space they don't care like one right. thing i loved about japan is that like even though it was like super crowded in some places you still weren't like completely uncomfortable because mainly because japanese people aren't gross like americans uh <laughs> <laughs> spoken like somebody who's never ridden a rush hour train in japan during the summer yeah there's a reason why i come there in the fall <laughs> <laughs> One good thing about lockdown is that it's given all of us time to kind of dedicate to our online work. And I noticed your Twitch streaming is taken off in a big way. Yeah, uh, I lucked out with that. So I bought all my stuff for PC parts back in like January. And then at the end of February, I had a, this channel SideQuest reach out to me and like, hey, we're hosting an anime show. We want you to like, you know, write for it and be our host. And like they're producing the show. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. But I don't stream they're like, well, you got to be a streamer in order to be on it. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm streaming now. Mm. And then I like had this two weeks of like, OK, what am I going to do about comedy? And then the quarantine started. So I guess that's one good thing. <laughs> well, like, what's comedy going to do about me? Yeah, because yeah, now I don't have to worry about stand up. But now I'm like focusing all my time on streaming. and It's doing really good. I really like it. Um, but yeah. I, I don't know what it's going to be like when when comedy kicks back up. So your show is called The Skeptic's Guide to Anime, right? Which sounds yeah. like the kind of thing which I should watch because uh, I'm like I've learned Japanese since the age of fourteen, and I was you know I was one of these people that had to explain to their parents why they were picking Japanese over a more useful or normal language. 
And so I defied weeb culture by not getting into manga or anime or any any Japanese subculture, just as a way of making my decision to study this fringe language more palatable to the people around me. And of course, that really disappoints Japanese people. When you go to Japan, they're like, ah, so what do you like about Japan? And I'm like, ah, nothing specific, I'm afraid. So for someone like me, who literally has not sat through a single anime, oh, where should I start? Oh, wow. Well, our show's perfect. So, like, the show is basically we have me, the anime self proclaimed expert. I say self proclaimed, but I'm getting paid for it. And then we have a. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that how it works? If you're paid for something, you're an expert. Yeah, there you go, right? You're a professional. Nice. I've been paid to leave a buffet before. <laughs> well, then you're a professional uh, person that ruins people's restaurant experience. <laughs> So it's me and then there's another host and he's the skeptic like he's not an anime at all. And the whole point of the show is that every episode we have an anime that I have him watch and he has to like watch it and then, you know, give his skeptic review of it. But what's funny is that I already got to know what his taste is and he already loves all the anime. And what does he like? He likes stuff that's very westernized. <laughs> so like right, okay. anime about American gang violence and good english voice acting i'm like well you know we're getting there yeah, <laughs> well, that's yeah, nice yeah. I mean, th that's the equivalent of a japanese person getting into the simpsons by watching the mr sparkle episode <laughs> yeah there you go exactly is most of your listenership people who are already familiar with anime and are like enjoying seeing someone else try to get into it or going back through episodes that they already like it's a chaotic sort of audience it's like half people who like listen to my podcast and my actual podcast is real anime reviews we do a different show every week and then half people who follow Deki, who's the guy who hates anime. So it's like half weebs, half anti-nerds. And they just it's just like having... It's like Backstreet Boy and Instinct fans just going at it at each other in my chat. I must say, it does sound like an insufferable listenership. It's it does great. sound like, as fans go, <laughs> hell on earth. It is. <laughs> so with the lockdown, with everybody kind of like going through the Netflix and Hulu catalogs and running out of stuff to watch, for people like myself and Ali who are not big into anime, would you recommend any series in particular as like a gateway series or a way to get into it? I, I must say, I, I do really rate Bobby as a presenter and interviewer, but asking an anime expert, do you have any anime you'd recommend, <laughs> is as like base, <laughs> base one as saying to a doctor, have you ever made anyone better? Uh, <laughs> can we have one specific uh, anime recommendation which features rivers and or cruises? <laughs> with rivers and or cruises? I actually don't know if I can come up with one. I mean, there's tons of animes with rivers in them, but I don't know if it's the focus of the series. If it's not the focus, it's clearly not going to work for this yeah. podcast. There's, I'm sure there's a slice of life anime where its focus is on cruises. I have yet to see one, though. So I've seen a handful of anime series, and I've seen super niche slice of life kind of ones. Because the thing that impresses me about anime and manga is that there's something for everyone. They turn everything. It could be cooking. It could be... Uh, volleyball. Volleyball. <laughs> it could be American football. I mean, there's any any sport, any hobby, anything. They find a way to, to add a storyline to it and make it into a serialized narrative that... There really is something for everybody. Are there any ones that you've come across that are like so weird and so niche that it shocked you? Tons. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's like like one of my favorite shows is about volleyball. And another one of my favorite ones about baseball. And I don't like either one of those sports. But I love the anime. Like I don't want to care about the sports, but they do a very good job of making it intense in the anime. 
so it's like every time they hit a ball with a bat it's like the most intense sound ever and then in real life you watch baseball and you're like this kind of sucks it's pretty (laughs) slow comparatively i think i think too it's like i don't know if it's like a japanese culture thing but they they obviously like exaggerate the emotions in anime because yeah it's a context thing too and and it's cartoon so of course it's like if you're gonna watch a volleyball anime you're not expected to go to a volleyball game and have those same screams and like those wind going by when they hit a ball it's pretty ridiculous but there are definitely some weird anime like i've watched anime where there's one called upate where these girls like are (laughs) they're an all-girl high school but they're actually world war ii guns so like these girls like turn into guns like it's like (laughs) There's a lot of weird series, like, and it's hard to explain, but yeah, there's a lot of niche uh, slice of lifes out there that are pretty wild what people can come up with. That sounds like it'd be a good recommendation for Deki, just uh, if he likes westernized stuff. It's like, yeah, they're people, but also guns. So they are also accessible for Americans. They're 14 year old girls that turn into World War II guns. <laughs> well, I'm persuaded. Shall we take a look at the news? <laughs> Bobby, do you know what's in the news this week? There's been discussion uh, in the Japanese government about whether or not they should take the COVID-19 school closings as an opportunity to reevaluate and reschedule their school calendar year. Uh, They're talking about changing the academic year from an April start to an August start, which would match up with the Western school calendar. And this week, there was a lot of pushback on it as they've started to kind of bring up the reasons why this would be incredibly difficult. There's a lot of public support for it, but there hasn't really been much presentation so far about why it would be so difficult and how costly it would be. Yeah, I mean, not least for international students. I remember when I went to my Japanese university, I'd finished my academic year in July in the UK, but couldn't start until April the next year in Japan. So I turned up in late September, early October as like a, a member of the faculty with like nothing to do. They said, well, go take a language course or just do something to bide your time. Oh my gosh. So yes, it does make no sense for international students. And, and it's a big problem for Japanese students doing exchange programs abroad as well, because they can't sync them up properly. So they either have to skip a year, it messes up with their job hunting. Yeah, that's one of the things that the uh, government bureaucrats who support this are latching onto. They're calling it a paradigm shift that could make it easier for our youth to be active in the world. Um, which I guess if the schedules match up with, you know, Western schools and Western institutions calendars, that it'd be easier for things like study abroad. There's a lot of public support for it, but people are coming out right now and saying, um, if you do that, you would have to refund tuition that was already collected for April to August, which could total in the trillions by the time they got done with it. And also then you've got another group of children who have aged into enrollment age during those extra six months. So you're getting class sizes that are like 1.5 to two times bigger that the schools wouldn't be able to deal with for that year. Well, all they need to do is just invest in a few more pillows for their desks. <laughs> don't forget, these students are doing nothing in the classrooms. They're just napping. So uh, I think from a logistical point of view, all this is solvable. But of course, the people that are against this are the ones which want the school year to be tied to the fiscal year because it's easier for people that are recruiting students to do so once they know what their budgets are for the year i mean basically everyone that's against this change is basically saying whoa 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 hang on a minute this education system is not set up for your enrichment or fulfillment it's a, it's a means to generate more bodies for us to create value for our shareholders so yeah. unless it unless your gears line up perfectly with our cogs we're against it Lisa, what do you think? Do you think it, it matters when the school year starts or do you think the, the concerns are actually tied to education at all? 
I think the only concern would be anime because in anime, they're very clear about when the school year starts. And now everything that's going to be produced has to change that. That's the only way I can relate to this. Well, all the stuff that ties in with the school events, you know, like the, the summer festivals and uh, the bunkasai, the, the culture day or the sports day or enrollment or graduation is all very strongly tied into seasons, which uh, Brian, I don't know if you know this, but Japan has four. Japan has four seasons, and <laughs> they they have all these tropes in anime that they use to represent them, right? Oh, yeah, because they always, like, play off. I mean, like, I know, like, Christmas is not he- as big in Japan as it is in, like, America, but it's, like, you always know it's going to be winter in Japan because they're always, like, talking about Santa on anime. I'm like, you could just show us the snow, but now we have to talk about Santa. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting, though, because doesn't the school year, it, it goes in April, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, which is so, it's so much weird. It's different in the States because in the States, it's like we start in September, end in June, and you get like three months off before the new school year. So that's an interesting point because I wasn't actually sure if in America you ever start an education. <laughs> we, we I don't even think school. I did. <laughs> You're just in school. I just think it's funny we get three months off. Like, I'm like, that seems like a little too long. I think it's good to have a nice, good quarter of a year period where you're fairly confident you won't get shot <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty yeah everyone kept saying the best thing about school closures now is no mass shootings in school i'm like that's terrible no yeah. problem. It's, it's, it's really funny you say this because our idiot home secretary uh, in the uk claimed on national television that she was very pleased that burglaries had gone down during the lockdown period uh, <laughs> and like she was somehow taking credit for for the, for the fact that burglaries and thefts have gone down. Also, the uh, increased sales in sex toys have been pretty big in America. People were having problems oh, really? with Amazon because because uh, Amazon. So I live in, in literally the heart of Amazon, Seattle, Kent, all the warehouses. It looks like prison downtown Kent. It's just all Amazon warehouses. And they're having trouble because they're saying, well, Amazon workers should only be doing essential items like food, emergencies, and people were arguing saying that sex toys were essential during the quarantine because all the sex toys were selling out on Amazon. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look I'm at like, what's sold out on well... Amazon, it's sex toys and podcasting equipment. So basically all the really just self-masturbatory stuff. It goes back to uh, the fact that I bought, <laughs> pretty lucky for buying all my parts back in January. All my computer parts and my sex toys bought them back in January because <laughs> I predicted that this is going to happen. But it's true. And I'm like, well, you can't really say what's not essential. So yeah, it depends. There are certain cardioid microphones that with an afternoon and a bit of ambition, you could probably double up. <laughs> I do kind of feel I will say, though, I do find it kind of feel bad for all the comedians that didn't kind of like they don't have podcasts or any other creative outlets. Because they're posting. I'm, ne- I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to stop you. I never thought I'd hear the sentence. I feel bad for the comedians who don't have podcasts. <laughs> I feel bad, but not like a, a genuine bad, like a pity bad, because now they're posting all their comedy on Instagram Live. I'm like, no one's watching this shit. No one's. Ollie watching. was just saying last week that that uh, we were lucky that we started this last year. It's lucky that we didn't try to get this going in the middle because you're rushing. You're late. You're late to the party, basically. And also. Many podcasters I know say that their listens have gone down because people listen to it while commuting. But we're pretty sure yeah. that the people that listen to our podcast uh, either never had jobs or use this for a moment of quiet, <laughs> somber reflection and and do, and do so at home to get away from it all. Same with Twitch streaming. <laughs> we're going back to this story. It does seem like a no-brainer to just change it, right? 
Yeah, you would think so. But like you said, there's the financial pushback and also there's a cultural pushback. One of the quotes from this article that I found says, uh, people are against it because it would also destroy the time-honored Japanese tradition of welcoming the enrollment of new pupils under the spectacle of cherry trees in full bloom. To me, nothing says welcome to a Japanese education like a symbol of vibrant, brilliant, newborn life that is just about to wither and die. <laughs> Well, talking about Japanese symbolism, should we look at our next story, which is some Japanese symbolism, which has managed to go viral because it's weirdly prophetic. So in Japan for the last couple of months while the lockdown has been going on, uh, this character, this yokai, this legendary Japanese monster called <laughs> Amabie has been going viral because the character is supposed to help prevent the spread of diseases. And it's just started to get picked up in the Western news. But it's been trending on Twitter for like the last couple of months. If there's one thing I can trust about Japanese is that they have mascots for literally everything, <laughs> including COVID yeah. now. <laughs> this is basically the antiviral Yudukera, the mascot, right? So the story is like back in the Edo period, I guess like 1890 or something like that, 19th century, a guy went out to investigate a weird green light in the ocean and this mermaid-like creature popped up and said, I'm here to tell you that you're going to have a bountiful harvest over the next six years, but also a plague. So draw my picture and then show that to everybody, which is just a weird, bizarre introduction. It's like, you're going to have a great harvest and a plague. Hey, uh, could you draw me real quick? <laughs> okay, so I've got good news, bad news, and a bit of a weird request. Uh, in which order would you like these three? <laughs> but do you reckon he was talking about the 1920... Spanish flu or do you reckon he was thinking this far ahead I, I think if it was this far ahead he got way too far out in front of it it was first documented in 1846 but it's a mermaid it's a uh, a glowing green creature with fishy scales long hair three fin like legs and a beak I just don't get why it has a wig like it just looks <laughs> so uns so unsettling yeah and the ones which people have been drawing because like this has become like a twitter meme right people have been drawing their own they're all making them fairly sexy for something which represents a deadly virus it's pretty hot i don't know the beak takes me out of it i think western mermaids ah, the beak mermaids does it are me, people <laughs> it's more like a fur maid because it's got like like this long luscious wig it looks like a fur bee actually it looks like like if a fur bee like got doled the up ugliest, for a night out. that's the ugliest animal crossing villager i've ever seen that's all i gotta say <laughs> well don't don't criticize her too much because she helps prevent the spread of diseases and the way she does it is you draw her image and you share it and all the Western stories that are picking this up are using the very unfortunate wording uh, that she's gone viral. And it's just, it's another one of those things. It's like, yeah, I'm a BA has gone viral. In fact, the only thing that's going viral faster is the actual virus. But I like the fact that people are saying, well, isn't this prophetic? But there are obviously hundreds and hundreds of these like weird old people that have drawn weird old doodles. This is all this was, right? This was some guy doing a doodle of some sexy looking parrot with like tits and a and three legs. And well, let, let's presume that they were legs originally. <laughs> and his wife comes uh, Also, in goes, I would like to encourage Brian to go look at the pictures yourself if you haven't seen them, just to get an idea of yeah. what Ollie is considering sexy. We're going to link to them in the description. <laughs> but obviously this is a guy that's like doing some weird doodles and his wife going, what's that? And he's like, uh, uh, very important medical information, actually. So I'd rather you didn't, uh, <laughs> rather you didn't get cross. But obviously, there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in history are drawing weird things. 
And then all you need is for one of them to be roughly close to the truth. It's like The Simpsons, right? Like The Simpsons called Trump's presidency, but they also called loads of other things which have never happened, right? Like I've never like ever- Like murder hornets. Yeah, or like I've never seen a monorail, for example. <laughs> so one of the measures of how popular Amabie has gotten and how quickly she's gone viral is that Kumamon, Kumamon from Kumamoto, the bear character, the mascot, posted a picture dressed as Amabie, which really says something to me. Kumamon is this character who is this really cute bear who got super popular because they had a great design and then they released it free of copyright. By the way, for the record, not at all sexy. I mean, that blue wig looks pretty sexy on him, so... Maybe it's okay, Amabie's so boyfriend. I don't know. Cosplay Kumamon does it for Lisa and just regular <laughs> old Amabie does it for Ali. But when a character gets so popular so fast, even Kumamon is like, I need to, to get on this. I need to jump on this bandwagon. I think it tells you something about the appeal. I like the fact that there might be a very, very small percentage of people that may actually believe that this works. It's like, you know, when you go to Japanese temples, you can buy those little charms where they're kind of little packets, maybe two or three inch tall packets. And on them, it says things like good luck for passing your exams or like there's, there's even one for road safety. Safe childbirth, road safety, yeah, right? safety on the open ocean. Uh, there are all these omamori, they call them. Right. Protective charms. But these charms, they claim that they have all this like long history, but obviously like motorized vehicles have only existed for a hundred years. So there can't be that much history in the road safety charm. Plus people dangle loads of these charms from their rear view mirror therefore restricting their vision and undermining their road safety. No, I don't know how many people really do. I know a lot of Japanese people put a lot of faith in the omamori, and I guess this would qualify as an omamori, but I don't know if I'm comfortable making fun of people's belief systems because I saw a news report the other day about a woman who wasn't scared of COVID-19 in America because she was covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> or how they're drinking bleach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's not Let's not throw stones at what people choose to believe. I think throwing stones actually can defeat the virus if you throw them hard enough. At the right people, yeah. You know what? Don't say that. Trump might actually listen to this podcast and take your advice. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the natural extension of the podcast. We already know that the Japanese government listens. Uh, we've called we've called a lot of their moves, which we're pretty sure that they uh, they listen and act accordingly. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Ask him to give me a free ticket back to Japan. <laughs> we can ask. We could we could get you a ticket. It just might be on a slow boat. Oh goodness, <laughs> I'm okay with that. People on lockdown are getting bored and spreading the Amabie picture and and spreading the legend, and drawing their own versions of the pictures too. But the Western mermaid also grew out of boredom, right? The idea of of boredom of sailors on a ship at sea for so long that they look at a fish and start to find it sexy. <laughs> is that the same thing that's going on here now? That's what quarantine is. Yes, <laughs> like that animal could be hot. Like, <laughs> that's all Animal Crossing is, is that they, I look at them as like children and then I see like sexy adult versions of them online. I'm like, why are you ruining this children's game for me? You get bored enough and you go, how can I change this so that I want to fuck it? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm a BA already look pretty, pretty beautiful with that wig though. So uh -huh. I don't doubt it. <laughs>
Hey, thanks so much for listening to this Japan by River Cruise episode 35. Now officially 10% sexier during the lockdown. It cost a lot to generate that extra 10% of sexiness. And as always, you know, we have a great time doing it, but we do put a lot of work in. If you'd like to support the podcast, we have a buy me a coffee button on our homepage and Ali and I are both running out of coffee. And if you would like to support the podcast by simply subscribing to us to make sure that you listen to all future episodes the moment they reach your phone, then please do hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to the podcast. Lisa, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. For people who want to check out the anime content, can you tell us uh, where they can find your podcast and your Twitch show? Yep. So my Twitch show is called Skeptic Sky to Anime. You say anime, I say anime. I love it. Got the westernness <laughs> to it. Uh, I just say and cartoons. That is on Twitch cartoons <laughs> twitch.tv slash side quest that's every monday night at 7 p.m uh pacific standard time so i don't know where part of the world you're on so and then uh my actual podcast is kawaii 50 <laughs> and that you can find on twitter.com slash kawaii 50 and then my twitter is uh w-i-s-a-l-a-l-l-e-n which is lisa wallen because lisa wallen was taken <laughs> and i'm very <laughs> mad about that so now everyone on Twitter calls me Weesa. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds a little bit like Weeb Lisa, so. Yeah, so Weesa. It's like a three-year-old trying to learn my name, but that's uh, <laughs> that's my plug right there. <laughs>